0: Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson.
1: And I'm Tom Yoder. Together, we are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Linda Barnes at our storytelling events in October at the Sunflower Theater in Cortez and the Durango Arts Center when the theme was Spooked.
0: Linda has now lived longer in Durango, Colorado than just about any other place. Her main love and work for 35 years was as a certified nurse midwife. She spent many years working at Bellevue Hospital in New York City and the Navajo Nation, as well as Afghanistan and Kosovo. Now on the home side, she's a bookkeeper, gardener, aquatico canoeer, and a seeker of old and new adventures. Here's Linda's story.
2: supposed to have an affair with this microphone, (laughs) but I'm not supposed to touch it. This story um, takes place 51 years ago um, when I was uh, a sweet young thing of 26 years old, living in Kenya, uh, married to Rupert Barnes, who was a uh, British-born Kenya citizen, and Our firstborn son, Abednego Barnes, was with us at that time. We lived um, at the former Kahawa Barracks, which was one of the largest um, military installations during the colonial time. Kenya had been, um, this is 1968, Kenya had been independent for about five years, and they turned the the barracks into the teacher training college uh, for secondary school teachers in Kenya. And my husband and I were teachers at the college. We lived in what was probably a a small-time British Army officer. It was a small house, but nice. I remember we had banana trees in the backyard and a pawpaw tree and a big vine of passion fruit. And um, in the front, what I remember most was that we had a lovely frangipani tree. And if any of you know that tree, it is a tree that um, has a very strong, sweet aroma, sort of like being in a bathtub of gardenias. And moths would uh, come to that tree every night. I think they were the pollinators. But I do remember that tree. That's a beautiful tree. Um, because my husband was a fluent Swahili re- speaker, and we were both teachers there, we would often get asked to go on safari to uh, small towns and villages throughout Kenya to supervise the secondary school trainees as they did their practice teaching. And on this occasion, um, we had been asked to go to the co- to the coast province. And so we were packing our little beige Volkswagen Bug. It was um, a 1958 Volkswagen bus. I remember it because it still had the... The baseball or the football shaped window in the back. Um, we loaded our rucksacks, uh, we got some bananas, several bunches of bananas, some biscuits, and um, and we had probably a dozen Cadbury chocolate bars which we took to um, as gifts to the um, headmasters and the teachers who would house us when we were doing uh, supervising practice teaching. Um, And we set off, we also had, yes, by the way, the normal things that you always had to take on a safari in Kenya, uh, a jerry can of extra petrol, um, a can of oil, the ever needed tire irons, the inner tubes that you had to put in your tires, and the ever loving patch kit, which we were both very good at doing, patching up tires. Um, We took off um, middle of the afternoon, and went down, we were taking the main road from Nairobi to Mombasa, that would take us to the coast province. And the Mombasa road, 50 years ago, was sort of a ribbon of terror between Nairobi and Mombasa. It was a tarmac road, but often um, due to disrepair, it became sort of a one lane road. And there were huge lorries coming up from the coast all the time, bringing bringing things that had come into the Nairobi um, port. And uh, lots of Mercedes Benzes and white Peugeots that were transporting um, government officials and other dignitaries back and forth between Nairobi and, and Mombasa. And overstuffed buses and overstuffed Matatus. And we and our little bug always were the ones who would, Pull off on the side, quickly pull off on the side of the road and end up in a sort of a dusty heap while these other vehicles tore up and down the road. That day we had decided to detour off of the Mombasa Road and went into um, Savo Game Park, which uh, the Mombasa Road bisected that. And we were traveling far enough inland from the Mombasa Road that we felt we were pretty much in in, uh, the game park. Uh, and we're going to rejoin the Mombasa Road much further south. As we traveled along, we saw the usual giraffes and zebras and wildebeests and the occasional ostrich and lots and lots of baboons. And in the distance, um, this was the dry season, so there was a good amount of dust, but in the distance you could see a a sort of a rim of of acacia trees in in the distance. And we could tell, because you could see these great gray, looked like great gray boulders, that there was a herd of of elephants that was spread out considerably on both sides of the track we were on. And um, we felt comfortable driving through. And we were coming to a drift in the road. And a drift is a little bit like an arroyo here. You know, it's a down, you go down through a gully, which was usually had a slab of cement or rocks in it to prevent um, a washout. And it was, you know, it was where uh, floodwaters went during the rain. And then up the other side. And the elephants and the acacia trees were out in front of us. As we went down the slope, and it was a fairly big arroyo, um, there was a stick in the road, probably twice the size of a baseball bat. And we saw it and drove around it but the back tire caught it, and there was a great crash, bang, thud, and our car completely lost um, power, and we coasted down into the bottom of the drift and about 40 or 50 feet up the other side, and when we looked up, there was a very large elephant who had placed itself right in the middle of the road. And obviously, we had spooked it. Um, There there was dust rising on both sides of the road, so we knew that we had agitated this whole herd of elephants. Um, And uh, Rupert had put the handbrake on, and we sat there, and the elephant was flapping its ears. I remember this trumpeting, and the other elephants were trumpeting back, and stomping its, well pulling its foot in the dust. And we thought we were going to get hit. I remember very distinctly sort of grabbing Abednego and shoving him down behind the driver's seat. We did have the presence of mind to open the doors, stick our feet out, and push. And lo and behold, the car rolled back to the bottom of the drift. And there we were. There was a pungent smell of sweat in the car. In addition to a smell of soiled diapers. (laughs) But we were very happy because when we looked up we saw that the elephant had felt as though we had retreated and but we realized that we would be stuck for the night. Um, We pulled out, we had bananas, we had water, we had Cadbury bars. Um, (laughs) As evening uh, came um, we saw another little cloud of dust, and lo and behold, it was six or seven or eight Maasai warriors walking down um, the path or the road. And they, uh, after they understood what was hurt, what, what had happened to us, they right away decided that they were going to escort us. It was quite a catch to find the Mazungus here and to rescue them. And they decided that they were going to take us to the ranger station. And so um, we agreed. Uh, We grabbed some of our clothes and some of the Cadbury chocolate bars and shared some bananas and took off through the bush. They said it was very close. (laughs) Um, And indeed, uh, very close in Africa can mean an hour or it can mean a day. But we trusted them and off we went. Some of them in front, some in back. Um, they had three goats that they probably used for milk and for meat. And, um, and after about an hour, we did indeed, as the evening was really deepening, um, saw a kerosene lamp uh, flickering in the distance. And sure enough, there was the ranger station. The rangers, there were four rangers. They were lovely. They moved their, uh, their belongings out of one of the two rooms that they had. And we spent the night there comfortably. The Maasai were definitely not going to lose sight of their mazungus. Um, their and so they camped out under one of the acacia trees. In the morning, uh, when we got up, we could um, see and smell that the rangers were preparing a, a big sofria of Kenya chai, which is strong chai with milk and uh, tea masala and sugar. It was boiling away on the outside jiko. And they had also fixed a big sofria of, um, of uji, which is a, a porridge made in Ke- a staple porridge in Kenya. That's from made from ground uh, corn and millet and sorghum. And after breakfast, there was much conversation about what to do. And uh, in the end, the, the uh, rangers decided to go pick up our stranded VW bug in the in the gully tied a rope on us. All of the Maasai um, were insistent that they, they um, come along to assist. And so the Land Rover was filled with two rangers, all of us, all of our stuff, and Maasai were both inside and on top, or hanging onto the side. So we went and picked up the uh, Volkswagen and hauled it down to a little town called Voy, which was back on the main road. Um, the station, the, the the railway road went through Void, and uh, so the station master assured us that he'd put our VW, our broken down VW, on one of the freight cars on the uh, Mombasa Nairobi train, and uh, the rangers took off for back for the ranger station. The Maasai were delighted to have take had a lift so far and they assured um, the rangers that they would come back and pick up the goats at some point, but they went on, off in an opposite direction in their walkabout. And uh, I assumed that the elephants happily grazed under the acacia trees.
0: Thank you, Linda, for sharing that story. We are scheduling our 2020 events and themes soon, so be sure to check out the events page in January and make plans to be there. And consider telling your story. To pitch your story for future Raven Narratives, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org.
1: Subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And share these stories with your friends. If a particular story made you laugh, cry, or look at your world with a little bit more clarity, please leave a comment and let us know.
0: Thanks to photographer Jody Jarling of Wild Blue Bug Photography, who took the on-stage portraits of our storytellers for the spooked events. Find out more about Jody's photography services on her website at wildbluebug.com.
1: And thanks to our fiscal nonprofit sponsor, Mancus Valley Resources. Find out more about all the wonderful projects they support in the Mancos Valley of Colorado at mancosvalleyresources.com.
0: The website for buying Raven Narratives tickets, ravennarrativestickets.org, was created by Cortez Web Services. Find out how they can help your business online at cortezweb.com.
1: Our theme music was written and composed by Mo Cooley and performed by Mo and the Motones. Find out more about their music on the Motones Facebook page. That's M-O-E Tones on Facebook.